Hello and welcome to the First and Ten Podcast. I'm your host, Patrick Feltz, here in Indianapolis, Indiana, uh, recording this on the night of July 15th, 2021. Uh, today, we're going to be talking about home field advantages. Obviously, crowds are back uh, across the country in college football. Uh, as the pandemic starts to wind down, people start to get vaccinated. Please do that if you haven't already. We're playing football, uh, and it's going to be a much less covid year, a much more traditional college football season, uh, spanning from Labor Day uh, to New Year's, and with plenty of non-conference games and 12-week, 12 12-game 12 seasons and regular bowl schedules and no opt-outs, and hopefully nobody missing time uh, due to positive tests test or contact tracing. And, of course, with a regular college football season comes fans and comes home crowds and comes home field advantages student sections and bands and all the stuff that makes college football, college football at the end of the day. Uh, the crowds and the fans are, are the lifeblood of the sport and a season without it here in the big 10. I know some other conferences had fans, but uh, the big 10 didn't have anybody except for parents uh, in the stadiums. Well, well now here we go. Uh, college football feels good again. Uh, not that it didn't feel good last year, but uh, it feels right. It feels full uh, last year. Something was off. Uh, it's, it's, it feels good to know that we're going to have full crowds, full capacity. And let's break down who has the best home field advantage, who has the worst home field advantage, maybe a negative home field advantage. Is that a thing? Uh, I think Reed Murray might think so. Speaking of Reed Murray, he's in Nashville, Tennessee. What's going on, Reed? What's up, Patrick? Uh, if you're watching this on YouTube, you can see I've got my USA soccer jersey on. We got U.S. national team playing Martinique tonight, hoping to see Walker Zimmerman represent Nashville well. But enough about that kind of football. Let's get into the kind of football we like. Well, we like both kinds of football uh, on this true. podcast, but uh, you know, you talk about home field advantage and for our YouTube viewers, you can check us out on YouTube. Just search first and 10, uh, you know, spell it one G like we do here in the big 10. Uh, if you're on YouTube, you can see my shirt as well. Uh, you talk about home field advantage, home field apparel is not a sponsor of this podcast, but they make really cool vintage collegiate apparel. And they just released the Minnesota golden Gophers. I've got a vintage Minnesota golden Gophers hockey shirt. And I think you should pick one up too, because frankly, it's one of the coolest shirts I am. Uh, so rah, 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 Sky Yuma. Let's talk about home field advantages. Read uh, 1 through 14. Rank the Big Ten stadiums in terms of best home field advantage at the top and the least home field advantage at the bottom. Go. All right. So at the risk of being called a homer, uh, as everyone likes uh, to call me an Ohio State homer and say I have bias and whatnot, Ohio State's number one on my list, and I'll explain that in a second. Number two, Penn State. Three, Wisconsin. Four, Nebraska. Five, Iowa. And then six is another one you might call me an Ohio State homer, and this may be my hottest take, but Michigan is all the way down at six. Following them is Michigan State. Purdue at eight. Indiana, nine. Then Minnesota, Illinois, Maryland, and the bottom two, Rutgers and Northwestern. Okay, uh, before we get into your list, I'm going to give you mine. Uh, I've got Penn State at the top. Uh, Number two, Ohio State. So, yeah, Beaver Stadium, number one, Ohio Stadium, number two, Wisconsin, Camp Randall, third, Nebraska Memorial Stadium, fourth, Iowa Kinnick Stadium, fifth, Michigan, Michigan Stadium, sixth, uh, Minnesota TCF Bank, seventh, Michigan State, Spartan Stadium, eighth, uh, Rutgers Shy Stadium, ninth, Purdue Ross Aid, tenth, Indiana the Rock Memorial Stadium, eleventh, Northwestern Ryan Field, twelfth, Illinois Memorial Stadium 13th and Maryland. I've got them 14th uh, at Maryland Stadium. So, Reed, uh, why is your bottom team your bottom team? Why do you have the Northwestern Wildcats at the bottom? Uh, I've got them close to the bottom, but but what put them over the edge? What sets them apart as the worst home field advantage in the Big Ten? Well, Northwestern is one of, I believe, three Big Ten stadiums I've set foot in. Four, if you count Lucas Oil Stadium, since technically it, you could call it a Big Ten stadium as they play the championship there every year. But Northwestern for Ohio State, yeah, seriously, uh, I could you might actually call it a third home because Northwestern might be our second home, and this is why I have them at the bottom of the Fourth list. Fourth home with the big house, yeah. <laughs> we, Ohio State has a lot of homes. I would argue that uh, that the Superdome in New Orleans is a fifth home, but uh, and I hate to say it, Memorial Stadium, in Indiana, Indiana might definitely be a sixth home for uh, us. Yeah. I think they've set up shop around the. Ohio State has a lot point, of vacation homes. Point being, Ohio State wins a lot of football games. I think you That's might know. That's true. It. <laughs> yeah, uh, they definitely but, got one in Myrtle Beach because it's it's Ohio. 
Yeah, and South Carolina, <laughs> the Ohio to South Carolina pipeline, and the Ohio to Arizona pipeline. That's also uh, a thing. You look at you look at an Ohio State Fiesta Bowl. There's always a lot of fans there. But anyway, that's beside the point. Enough talking about Ohio State. Northwestern. Um, if you have ever seen a Northwestern game on uh, on, on on Big Ten Network, uh, an out of conference Northwestern game, it's a ghost town. A Northwestern game against a conference opponent uh, that doesn't travel well, um, like maybe an Eastern opponent like Maryland or something. There's never anyone there. And even for bigger games, it, the crowd often seems to be lacking. Um, but the only times the crowd really seems to be there is when they're playing a big team like Ohio State or Michigan or Notre Dame. And at that point, it becomes, like you alluded to earlier, a negative home field advantage. I would argue that when Ohio State played at Northwestern, and granted, Northwestern was horrible that year, and I believe they had one point or they had one win uh, during that game. They were very bad. In the 2019 they, season. They made me Ohio look very, State, very, very stupid. Then. Yeah, in, the, in, a, in the, the Ohio State season where we had Justin Fields, Chase Young, Chris Olave, J.K. Dobbins, that year uh, when they went undefeated in the regular season, uh, I was lucky enough to witness them play Northwestern, and it was scarlet and gray everywhere. And, you know, of course, Ohio State, we did the OHI around the stadium chant like we do at every stadium when we win. Um, but there were so few Northwestern fans there. It was like we were playing at a bowl game or some sort of neutral site. Um, and of course that happens at other stadiums. It happens at Indiana or happens at Rutgers, Maryland, et cetera. But Northwestern is the worst one just because uh, the fans, the, the lack of fans turning up to games period um, it, it, that doesn't reflect well on them. Plus the way that the teams can just take over Ryan field. And the reason uh, I think you could certainly argue Maryland is the worst, but the reason I have Northwestern in that last spot is there's so many Big Ten grads who live in Chicago, and it's just so convenient for a big school like Ohio State or Michigan for their fans to come out to a Northwestern game since it's right in their backyard that it just it, it makes for a really tough scene for Northwestern fans. Um, so I got to put them at the bottom list. They just allow their stadium to get taken over so easy. And I hate to – I have a lot of respect for Northwestern. I think it's a great uh, university, and I, and I love Evanston, but – uh, their football stadium, unfortunately, uh, has, in my opinion, the worst home field advantage in the conference. Uh, that's the thing about Northwestern. So Cardale Jones once said, I ain't come here to play school. <laughs> Northwestern people absolutely did come to play school and maybe a little too much. Uh, they ain't come to watch no football. They they have they are busy studying. They're busy uh you know, in the, in the lab or, uh, you know, doing their journalism stuff, maybe that involves sports, uh, or, you know, whatever they do, uh, up there. So maybe the press box is more full than the stadium, but yeah, I mean, there's, there's, there's no argument here as to their crowd. Chicago is, is really the heart of the big 10. It is the biggest city in the Midwest. We all know that. Um, there are grads of every single school everywhere uh, in Northwestern <laughs> because of its very selective uh, student body. Uh, it's, it's just a selective school and it's small. doesn't have as many grads in Chicago or period as a school like Ohio state, Indiana, Michigan state uh, places like that. So it's significantly smaller, which, you know, hurts its interest and in alumni base. Uh, everybody already has another team where they went to school uh and i just don't think they have much of a local draw uh the local teams you know in chicago you know when it comes to college football you can argue chicago's big 10 team is not northwestern it's notre dame uh, even though they're not in the big 10 nor chicago uh they are the college football team uh you know beyond all the other big 10 teams wisconsin and ohio state and all that I mean, I've spent Saturdays in the fall in Chicago, uh, in Chicago land and walking around. I, I counted one time as many big 10 sweatshirts as I could. And I counted them for every single school, multiple sweatshirts, except I only found one for Maryland and one for Northwestern. Every other school I found multiple, even Rutgers, Rutgers. I found two. I don't know. Uh, not much of a home field advantage there. With that being said, the reason I don't have them at the bottom is because one thing that really does play into their favor uh, is geography. Chicago has terrible weather. I don't think any Chicagoan is going to dispute you on this. The weather is not nice, uh, especially in the fall and the winter. Lake effect, Northwestern is right on the lake. 
snow, wind, rain, you name it. Ryan Field games can get sloppy fast. So uh, an 11 a.m. kickoff in Evanston on BTN alternate uh, against some terrible team or or against a, a Big Ten East opponent unsuspecting or or whoever. It can, it can get sloppy. It can get real sloppy. And, you know, they, they put the, 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 the C-team announcers on it, and, and it's sponsored by some company you've never heard of, the broadcast. And, and it's just like this – you're like, what? What is going on? Why am I watching You know, this? it's interesting you bring and that suddenly, point up. And suddenly Northwestern because... has won, and it's 10-8. to 8. How is it 10-8? to 8? I don't know, but it's 10-8, to 8 and the Wildcats have won. That is a actual home field advantage, the weather. Yeah, that's just like any soccer fans on here will know the phrase, could he do it on a cold night in Stoke? Could he, could do, he it? do it on an 11 a.m. Big all- Ten alternate kick in Evanston? <laughs> that is what we need to say uh, for the Big Ten Conference. But that actually is interesting that you bring that up because I do remember while I was touring Northwestern, um, our tour guide, he was he was a sports fan. I believe he covered, uh, he covered Big Ten football on the campus radio, and he was uh, a sports media kind of guy. And he was talking about how uh, one big storyline about the Ohio State Northwestern game and why they were, of course, people were saying it was an upset because it was a team who was going to be wearing all black on a night game against Ohio State, a Big Ten West team. I said having that a blackout at I, night I against was Ohio State. Wrong. So I think I yeah, said that going, in one of our one of our first episodes. Actually, I was like, oh, this is going to happen because Purdue and mm-hmm. Iowa did it. Yeah, it didn't. It didn't happen. Yeah, so of course, <laughs> of course, the writing was on the wall for an Ohio State, uh, for for a Northwestern upset of Ohio State, but uh, you know. Further than just the the intangibles of wearing a black jersey against Ohio State, the, they actually did have an advantage in that teams have struggled with the grass field at Northwestern. That's another um, thing. And the field is tends to be they they even say the field is taken care of worse than uh, a lot of other fields. And a lot of fields in the Big Ten are made out of turf. Obviously, you have grass at Beaver Stadium, but you look at Ohio Stadium, Michigan Stadium, uh, Capital One Field at Maryland, Indiana Rutgers. Turf. A lot of these fields have have field turf. Uh, as opposed to actual grass. And that actually is something that plays a factor. It's wetter out there. It's harder to dig in. Um, so that's that actually I, is true. The elements said, at, at by Northwestern the way, do make it difficult to play there. Unsuspecting Big Ten East teams, the Big Ten East, predominantly turf. I mean, there are a oh. handful of teams with. I believe grass, Michigan State and Penn State are the only grass teams yeah, in the East. Five out of seven teams in the East have turf fields, which you don't think it makes a difference. But, but if you talk to players – it really does make a difference, especially when you're in a place uh, like, like greater Chicago and Chicagoland where in the fall, the weather is awful and there's so much wind and rain and snow. It can just turn into a muddy uh, 14 to 10 game quick. Uh, and it tends to, especially with Northwestern style of play and in the general style of play in the big 10 West, uh, that, that ground and pound uh, defensive battle slugfest sort of game. It really does kind of – that's the epitome of Big Ten football is a 10-7 to game between Iowa and Northwestern at 11 a.m. But it's beautiful, though. That's why we love this That's the Big so Ten, much. That's if you can't get West. down yeah. with a 10-7 to Big Ten West game that's football um, on Big Ten Network at 11, <laughs> you're just not a Big Ten football fan. I'm mm-hmm. sorry. I guess I just say noon because there are a lot of Big Ten schools in Eastern time. But if you can't get down – It's 11, a, it's 11 a.m. local. 11 a.m. local. Yeah. If you can't get down with it with a with a midday uh grinded out kickoff uh in in Illinois, I'm sorry. Big Ten's just not for you. No, absolutely. It is it is a a special, special thing. It just means more, Reed. Uh, if you ask me. <laughs> this is why we love our sport. Anyway. <laughs> so, um, so I've got Maryland at the bottom of my list. Uh just wanna if you're talking about Northwestern at the bottom of yours. So Maryland, uh, number one, I don't think I've ever heard the stadium. I've watched plenty of games at Maryland, uh, and while they do kind of have a weird sort of spook factor to it, like I don't like playing a road game at Maryland uh, if I'm a visiting team just because it feels like they've always got some weird voodoo upset magic going. Uh, not that they always pull it off, but they, they always make things interesting. There's something weird about that stadium. There's, There's something, something funky going on. Which is why they were at the the crowd for me. It ain't ain't the crowd. It's funky though. A little funky. Uh, But, but it's not the fans. Uh, In fact, a lot of times they have uh, the same thing as Northwestern, which is 
road fans because Maryland, not far from DC. DC is obviously another city with lots of people from not DC, people who move there. So lot, lots of times Penn State, Michigan, Ohio State take over that stadium. Indiana even had a big drawing there a couple of years ago. Um, but I remember in specific, Maryland, I think, was playing a weeknight game in 2019 against Penn State. And it was like this huge deal. I think Maryland might have canceled classes. And they were like, let's, let's they did. Pack- they canceled classes yeah. and they expanded the stadium to allow more fans yeah. in. Let's let's pack the stadium. Let's get this huge crowd going. We got to upset Penn State. Let's let's get the rivalry going with Penn State. <laughs> Maryland fans think it's a rivalry. Uh th- hey, just just reporting here. So they expand the stadium, they cancel class, they tell everybody, pack the house. Uh, get, get your button to Maryland Stadium. And they did, uh, except they were wearing blue and white and cheering for the Penn State Nittany Lions. Uh, Penn State, I think they even had an actual student section there, uh, a big student crowd of, of Penn State fans who came down to Maryland or from D.C. who, who graduated from Penn State. And they, they packed the place. Uh, and they really had a home field advantage in D.C. And it doesn't really have, or in Maryland, excuse me, College Park, it doesn't really have the weather factor of Ryan Field either. And they do they do have, though, a consistent road crowd. Michigan did it. Uh, Ohio State does it. There's just no home field advantage there. Uh, now that there's been much of, of things to cheer for, I think that's changing. We'll see, though, because uh, they do have a great basketball crowd uh, at Maryland, the Xfinity Center. And that's a theme on my list is a lot of the schools lower on uh, the football list. I would have high on a basketball list. Uh, consider Maryland, Illinois, Indiana, Purdue, Rutgers, Michigan State. And, and the opposite is true, too. I would have Penn State and Ohio State and Wisconsin and Nebraska pretty low on a basketball list. So there's some sort of inverse relationship there. Go figure. But, yeah, Maryland, uh, terrible home field advantage. I've never been, so I can't, I can't say from personal experience, but from watching plenty of games on TV there, uh, hearing from other people's experiences, uh, just, just not much of a crowd uh, factor in Maryland Stadium. Yeah, and, um, you know, you talk about how Ohio State does it at Maryland and all these other schools do it. And, you know, my response is just where doesn't Ohio State do it? The only real answer there is Nebraska, I think, or I guess I should say Wisconsin too. And, well, they didn't have uh, a great – Penn State. When they went yeah. when they when they went to Purdue a couple of years ago, uh, yeah. So when I when we look at the bottom half of my list, which consists can I say, of Purdue, can I say this with Maryland real quick though? Because uh, mm-hmm. you're saying Ohio State does it there, but it's not just Ohio State who does it there. Michigan does it. Yeah. Penn State does it. Indiana had a big crowd there in 2019. Like I said, it, feel, it feels like everybody uh, has has DC alums because you know DC is gigantic and is a city of transplants. So everybody fills up Maryland Stadium. Yeah, but my one major criteria for me um, when you look at the 8 through 14 on my list, which consists of Purdue, Indiana, Minnesota, Illinois, Maryland, Rutgers, Northwestern, I take into consideration some factors, including um, I look less at capacity and more how well they fill that capacity, like more percentage. Uh, And I also just think of, you know, actually watching games there and what the crowd was like. But another big factor here is – how much does Ohio State take over? That's a big reason Rutgers is at 13 because Ohio State, it's, I mean, the stadium, they're called the Scarlet Knights. It's already painted scarlet. It, it looks like uh, in an alternate version of Ohio Stadium. And the end zones actually, what's funny is, is the field paint actually looks exactly like Ohio State's and that it's a scarlet end zone with white text and red outline. It looks just like Ohio Stadium, except it says the word Rutgers on there. Um, but the Ohio State University, New Jersey campus. Yeah, you look at that crowd, it's, it's all Ohio State fans, and Ohio State just takes over. And of course, it's it's in the New York area, like you said, with D.C. and Chicago, New York, a lot of transplants. People that, from well, everywhere live in New York. That is why and the Big course, Ten added Maryland yep. and Rutgers, because they wanted – I mean, they sell tickets. They sell tickets for those t- Ohio State tickets Rutgers and games, TV. for sure. They, they don't care about the teams. They care about tickets and TV uh, for the Ohio State fans in New York mm-hmm. and the Michigan fans in D.C. and all that. Yeah, and, and so, you know, tickets are cheap. Ohio State fans live in – it's a big brand. They love to go uh, into Rutgers uh, and watch that game. So it's a great away day. Um, fans love it. So Rutgers and Northwestern just kind of have an abominable uh, 
rate of allowing Ohio State to take over. So that's why they sit near the bottom of my list. But I wanted to get into Michigan real quick because Michigan, yes. they have – God, I forget the exact – obviously the three biggest stadiums in the Big Ten are Ohio State and Beaver Stadium and Michigan Stadium. I believe the Big House is the biggest of the three. I think Beaver is, is it not? Okay, they go, well, they go back and forth. They one up each other every couple of years. That's true because they do they uh-huh. do add and take away seats. But mm-hmm. either way, those three, those are the clear three biggest stadiums in the Big Ten. The big house, I mean, it's called the Big House. It is an enormous building. You look at a picture; it's a monstrous. Uh, it's a monstrous building. the The reason they can't get higher than Iowa or Nebraska, in my opinion, though, is just, uh, and I think you're going to talk about the architecture of the stadium soon, but. You can have as many seats in the stadium as you want, but you still need to have a lively crowd. Um, I'm not saying that Michigan's crowd is bad, but it just isn't where Nebraska is. And it's not where Iowa is. Iowa makes a serious impact. And for me, all you need to look at when thinking about Michigan's home field advantage is look up the 2019 Ohio State versus Michigan game. Go on YouTube. Pause this episode. Go on YouTube right now. Look it up. You might see a, a condensed game in 30 minutes. Go to the end of that game. Or go to the post-game interview and look at all the scarlet in that crowd. Oh. Of course, they started coming together and, and going into the lower seats hey. as Michigan fans started to leave. But you see, I mean, obviously Ohio I. State can move OHIO around the stadium in every stadium. Oh. But it, I've never heard it that loud in a stadium that big. Oh, yeah. The team no. with that big of a fan base. Mm-hmm. You it, you cannot. Near our tribal's house. Yeah. And, and obviously, like, rival fans and opposing fans, they go everywhere. You look at an Ohio State uh home game against Michigan there's Michigan fans in the building but they're in the small section uh in the upper bowl or I guess or I think they're in the lower bowl next to the band by the way they're in small sections and they all sit together whereas when you look at Michigan uh stadium in that 2019 game they were just all over the place uh infiltrating that stadium and the OHIO crowd chant was so loud they start packing in uh to the lower seats of the game ends and there's just so much scarlet crowd you can't let that you can't let your arch rival do that to you and that's just i lost a lot of respect for their fans uh seeing that because you just can't let when you're that big of a brand michigan is one of the biggest brands in college football you can't let a team like that do that to you uh, and they did and i mean obviously it's it's hard to tell the difference between an ohio state fan and a nebraska fan and their crowd but nebraska i mean their team it's no secret they've been struggling for the last decade and they continue to sell that stadium out. And I and when Ohio State goes on the road to Nebraska, like I said, I can't exactly tell where each fan is, but I have a hard time believing that stadium has a ton of Buckeye fans there. Um, and that's just the difference between a school like Nebraska and Michigan for me in terms of crowd advantage. That little anecdote about uh, you can't tell the difference between Nebraska and Ohio State fans in the crowd since obviously they're both wearing red. Uh, I don't know how many of our listeners are familiar with this, but at Indiana – for promotional pictures and, you know, stuff you put on a popcorn bucket or on uh, the website or on a postcard, like you a sent cup me or a, you postcard. Sent me a postcard last year. Of the, yes, of I did. I did. Yeah, that's right. Um, they take the picture at the Ohio state game uh, traditionally, at least. Uh, and this, this is a fact. I mean, I go into these pictures and I look, uh, I, I've got a weird habit of doing this. Whenever I see a full capacity crowd at Indiana University's Memorial Stadium, I, I zoom in. I'm like, all right, let's see. Get the magnifying what is, glass out. What is the difference in the shade of red? How many of these jerseys were purchased from China and have uh, the name Barrett sewn into the back or of them Elliot. poorly? Elliot's Elliot. a big one. How many 15 jerseys are in the crowd? Because I remember that picture. I'm actually going to go grab it right now. Yeah. I'm going to look in. I'm going to see how many 15 jerseys I can count. Excuse uh, me. I'll be right back. But regardless, uh, I can keep talking. Uh, it is very much a thing. Uh, the Indiana Hoosiers have a gigantic uh, crowd of Ohio State fans every year. And I think that's changing, though. Uh, a couple of years ago, there were fewer. Um, but they always take the picture because it's sold out and everybody's wearing red. And uh, there are obviously a lot of Ohio State fans. Um, but I just thought that was funny uh, because you mm-hmm. can't really tell – uh so they take the picture but if you little update on the postcard by the way you can tell i went to go grab it the photo is too far away i must have been thinking of a different photo where i could zoom into the 15s it's too far Um, away to tell on this one there's there is a photo on the outside of uh i believe a bookstore like the athletics gift Mm -hmm. shop uh and i can see just like very clearly it's like a 15 it doesn't say elliot but it's a a 15 and it's very much an ohio state jersey which i I just think (laughs) is funny um that's changing though, and I'll get into that when we talk about Indiana's crowd in a little bit. Um, but Michigan, which is what I was going to talk about, sorry, 
uh, for going a little off the rails. Um, Michigan, the reason I think their crowd isn't as good as it should be uh, for as big as it is, it's gigantic. Obviously, part of it, and Michigan fans will tell you this too, and I've heard this from Michigan fans, there are a lot of older fans who don't want people getting loud. They don't like people standing up. They tell you to sit down, be quiet. I'm trying to watch the game, which where's the fun in that? Uh, but also the architecture of Michigan stadium, it's built into the ground and there are no barriers like keeping the sound in. I don't know how to describe it. There's nothing keeping the sound from exiting the stadium. So the sound, because of the way it's constructed, there's nothing uh, enclosing it. And it, and because it's dug into the ground, the sound goes straight up out of the stadium. It goes out of the stadium so when you're on the field level, you can barely hear the crowd sometimes, even if, you know, they're screaming at the top of their lungs. It doesn't matter. Um, but at the same time, I can't put it too low, uh, even if it's got those architectural disadvantages, because it's still a very intimidating place to play. When you look around you and there are 104,000 people or whatever the number They do is, fill the stadium. I'll they get, fill, they, they oh, fill they, it. They fill it all part. right. Not when they play Ohio State, but they fill it most of the time. They fill it every, every other week of the year. They fill it. Um, and I shouldn't say it's, that. Not it's not every year that they let Ohio State take over that way. That was a horrible example of it. But yeah, they do fill the stadium. Look at when they go play a crappy, you know, Central Michigan or whatever. It's going to be a full crowd. So mm-hmm. you got to give them that. You, it's not every team can to say look that. at. Uh, except does except, fill their stadium. Except that one time when they had to give away, uh, buy a Coke product, get a free Michigan football ticket. Uh, in that the happened. 2014. Oh yeah, you've never seen that picture. Haven't no, I said that I to you before? Um, Reed, go look that up. <laughs> buy. It was from, I believe, the the final year of Brady Hoke. Oh, they were they were ter- they were terrible. They were playing Minnesota, and there was some sign that was like, "Buy a buy any Coca Cola product, get a free Michigan football ticket." I'm gonna. So, so we're getting we're getting NCAA FBS tickets for three ninety nine. You got to be kidding me. Oh yeah, here it is. Buy two Cokes, get free two free Michigan tickets. <laughs> I hate Michigan, but I would do that. Wish I'd known about that back then. Goodness. I would have absolutely gone there. I would love right. for that deal to come back. I'll show up in my Minnesota. We'll show up in our Minnesota shirts together. <laughs> uh, I am sending this to you right now, Reed, so you can take a look at it for yourself. Yes, from September I will 2014. Have a at it. It, was, it wasn't even the end of the season. It was September, and they had already given up. Goodness gracious. Shame. Um, but aside from a few outliers, the crowd is always full of maize and blue. And that's intimidating to look at uh, when you're a player. It is, it is, you know, an iconic venue, and I can't dock it too much. I'm going to talk about Indiana now. Um, so here's something way more in my wheelhouse. I obviously go to Indiana. I have been following this team, supporting them my entire life. So Indiana traditionally, and I'll admit this, it's the reason why I have them so low on my list at number 11, has a pretty bad home football crowd. Lots of empty seats, lots of away fans. We all know this. And in the last few years, that hasn't changed a ton. They averaged 41,000 fans in 2019, uh, which was the best year in a very long time. Obviously ended in the Gator Bowl loss to Tennessee. There were a couple games that year. They had a pretty full crowd for Ohio State. I wasn't at that game, so I I can't tell you what the ratio of Ohio State to Indiana fans was. I heard someone describe it as 75-25 for Indiana, which is good. And then they had another game later in the year against Northwestern, a night game. They made a big push to try and sell it out. Didn't sell out, but still had a pretty big crowd. Uh, there was a decent on-field advantage for that too. Um, and the only other game I can even think of where Indiana had somewhat of a serious home-field advantage was 2017 week one against Ohio State. Uh, Thursday night game, game days in town. That's the game that I was talking about though as the one where I can pick Ohio State jerseys out of the crowd on the advertising image uh, that I've seen before. Let me interrupt you here because I do remember a uh, little shout out to Jared Rigdon. Uh, I saw him tweet about this game. I think it was last fall. It was probably around the time of the Indiana Penn State game. He was talking about uh, he he was showing pictures like what 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 could be better than this? An Indiana game or college game days in town? Blah blah blah. And he posted a picture. I think it had a nice sunrise in the background. And I remember zooming in and seeing a bunch. I saw a couple uh, Ohio State blackout jerseys uh, <laughs> with Elliot written on the back. I saw some. I saw a lot of scarlet and gray, and I saw a lot of you could dead giveaway when you look at the shoulder stripe. Yes, it's the shoulder, saw a lot of those Ohio stripes. State mm-hmm. shoulder stripes. Uh, so that I know the exact photo you're talking about. 
But that actual game, so Indiana was up at halftime of that game. People forget uh, on the number two team in the country in the opening week of the season. Don't ask what happens next. Uh, but Indiana's winning at halftime of that game. And they've got a real home field advantage. It was loud. Uh, you know, they, they were playing really well, obviously, but but it was really loud. They might not have had uh, a very commanding control of the amount of butts in seats, but the butts that were in seats, cream and crimson instead of scarlet and gray, were very loud. Now, looking at the raw numbers of it, obviously, you can't really judge home field advantage completely by wins and losses because while that is a big deal, um, at the same time, Sometimes that the quality of the team ain't going to be helped much by the crowd. Uh, and sometimes you're just surrendered to defeat. Um, so looking at some of these Indiana teams that have been pretty bad on the last 10 years, you can't really use that as an example, but what you can use is average attendance and the average attendance in the last 10 years has been between 41,000 and 44,000 pretty consistently. Now in 2019, it was around 41,000 uh, total seats uh, per game. And that doesn't mean everybody is in the stadium, though. With keep that in mind, that means that those—that's the average amount of tickets sold per game. Uh, and Indiana has a strong tradition of people getting too drunk in the tailgate fields and not going into the stadium. Uh, and according to people I've talked to in that crowd, I have sources. I do my homework. I'm like Reed Murray. I'm doing my homework. People in that crowd have told me that they don't want to do that anymore. They want to actually watch the team. So that's a good sign. Um, Shout out to the uh, uh, the people who don't go to the games uh, and just like to, to tailgate and not watch the team. Shout out to the people who don't go to the games. Hot uh, take, scorching take, even. Uh, no, it's not. A, it's not a, as much of a shout out as it's like a please go to the games. Like, come on, like I promise you, you'll enjoy yourself this season. The words uh, I heard were shout out. Not a. I don't know. Maybe I heard it wrong. That's what I. It heard. was a maybe not a sincere shout out. <laughs> Uh, I get what you're saying. Um, but that crowd is going to start going, it sounds like, uh, from my sources in the crowd of, of that kind of person. Admittedly, not many, because I don't like to surround myself with too many people who... Uh, disloyal know, fans, yeah. Th- yeah, disloyal you're fans. You're a loyal fan. I am a... You know, I... Uh, yeah, yeah, it's it's... You got, you got to be there. For I'll give the- it to you. You're one of the most, you're one of the, you're probably one of the biggest Indiana football fans in the world because how, I don't know how many people could sit through those years of pain and still be as optimistic. You'd be surprised uh, about the team as you. Uh, Yeah. I mean the ups and downs, but you know what, if you're going to be there for the ups, awesome. Uh, Then go right ahead and pack the stadium this year. Uh, Cause they deserve it. Now, I've read some numbers on this. Uh, 41,000 was the average number in 2019. Obviously, some games were higher. Some games were lower. 52,000, more or less, is the capacity of the stadium. It's on the smaller end for Big Ten stadiums. Uh, Single-game ticket sales, which started earlier this week, are up 27% overall. So doing the math on that, 27% higher from 41,000 is 52,000. So just doing the math on that, they should be selling out games this season, which is, is kind of unheard of. So if they can start selling out games getting people to go into the stadium who used to not, especially students, especially people in fraternities to go into the games and stay, stay. That's another thing because sometimes people will go in, stay for a quarter, say, I don't care and leave no matter how good the game is or how close the score is. That's the thing that happens. People go in and then dip. And uh, that's not the sign of, of a great no culture. And I think the culture has changed in Indiana. It certainly has changed in the locker room with Tom Allen. Now it's got to change in the stands and I'm of the opinion that it is changing. So uh, we'll see. It's putting being put to the test this year. Obviously last season was great uh, for the Hoosiers, but nobody was in the crowd because it was a pandemic. So uh, this year, post pandemic, I think we're going to see what, what the Indiana crowd is made of because obviously basketball, different story. So people care about Indiana athletics. That is not, that is not the issue, but will people turn out for games? Uh, and I'm I'm of the opinion that they will. Uh, hopefully the the highway situation between Indianapolis and Bloomington is sorted out so people can actually make it down to the games in a timely fashion. Traffic is always a problem though, and has been for for 20 years. But I I think the tides are finally turning on the crowds of Indiana University football. That is my soapbox. Reed, please steer this in a direction 
where the average podcast listener can relate and care. Thank you for your time. Uh-huh. Well, I'll just say my my one note on Indiana is if they don't sell out crowds this year, especially the game, uh, the Cincinnati game, of course they're going to sell the Ohio State game out because, of course, Indiana fans care about the one, and, of course, Ohio State travels well. That game will be a sellout for sure. But if they don't sell out games like the Cincinnati game or if they don't sell out just regular conference games, that will be disappointing and that will be telling of the fan base. No, it will I be. would say selling out is the – uh, is the expectation? I wouldn't Sell say come close. minimum, but that's what you expect this season, and, mm-hmm. and you would really hope to see it. And it's a smaller, it's a smaller stadium, uh, especially compared to the rest of the Big Ten. Fifty-two thousand is not very big. Um, and plus, we're getting bigger off the than uh, Stanford Bridge at Chelsea. <laughs> that's funny. What's actually funny is a lot. We talk about Indiana and these smaller stadiums. Chelsea, uh, one of the biggest soccer teams in the world, their stadium is smaller than I think all. I think every Big Ten stadium is bigger than the champions league chelsea champions league winning chelsea football club stadium anyway continue I, we've had a little too much soccer talk in this podcast so far <laughs> um well indiana is a soccer school so i understand but um i'm i'm i'm, I'm not kidding by the way I, i'm absolutely not kidding you produced uh an, you produced one of nashville's uh starting center backs so time college cup champions the i Hoosiers. support the indiana hoosier soccer team anyway Back to our kind of football. Yeah. Uh, no, they've got to they've got to make a real difference in the crowd this year. And there is serious construction on the highway between Indianapolis and Bloomington that could inhibit some people from coming down. But with that being said, we weren't in stadiums last year, so people are gonna have an itch for it. And Indiana had their best season in you know years and years and years, decades last season. So people are excited. There are plenty of. I've always been of the opinion that Indiana football has been a dormant fan base. It's a sleeping giant, if you will. People always like to make the joke, oh, people just cheer for IU basketball and Notre Dame football. Purdue fans like to make that joke. Um, I don't think that's entirely true. I think there are a lot of people who cheer for IU basketball, you know, religiously. They they care a lot and because they've been good for a long time. Don't ask what happened in the last couple of years. Um and then football season rolls around and they don't care because, well, the team's never been very good. Uh, what's the reason to care? They're just going to let you down. I get it. That's never been my opinion in my years of watching this team my entire life, but that's been the opinion of a lot of people. So them even being kind of good, I think kind of lights a fire in people and like, yeah, I do care about IU football. I'll go to some games. I will watch their games. People did watch their games. People talked about them. They were a real story. Uh, in this state last year. So it's about showing up though. Got to put your money where your mouth is. So uh, we'll see this fall. Uh, It should be obviously a a big season for the team. Yeah. I I think that, um, that sellout crowds, um, that's what we have to expect this season from Indiana and anything less will be a disappointment, but I want to get into the number one versus number two debate. Uh, Maybe we'll play a little bit of uh of master debaters. Isn't that what this segment was called on a, on a, a show we love? We haven't, they haven't produced an episode in a while, but one and a half Jews, one we of missed, our favorite shows. Miss one and a half Jews, uh, of course. And, and every, I believe every master debaters, or at least several master debaters were Ohio state. Yes. Uh, I was going to say this. Penn state. Ohio state versus Penn Riffy state. Riffy is an Ohio state fan. Riffy goes to Ohio and, state. Yeah. Seth goes to Penn state. Seth is yeah. of course, Seth's covering the team now at the collegian. So shout out to Seth. Yeah. So we will become, uh, we will debate at a master level, I guess, um, between Ohio State and Penn State. And here's my case for Ohio State and Penn State's two crowds uh, and why Ohio State is above. Obviously, the, the two stadiums' capacity is quite similar. Uh, both hey, teams read, have read, read, unbelievable... Read, read. Uh, I'm sorry to interrupt this podcast, but uh, a, a funny coincidence. Uh, I just opened my Twitter uh, just because I do that sometimes during the show to see if I miss anything important in the world of football i'm trying to keep us all posted i saw a tweet from first and 1g alum first and 10 alum bryson bonds pack the rock that's just the tweet when we were talking about indiana football crowds a first and 10 legend bryson bonds is tweeting about the exact same thing fantastic what a fun Um, coincidence please continue reed yeah so um (laughs) My case, obviously, Penn State and Ohio State have fantastic crowds. I have not been lucky enough to go see a game at Beaver Stadium yet. So 
Um, maybe my limited view is, is I have been to several Ohio State games and several big Ohio State games. One actually was against Penn State, which, which is what I would still call the best game I've ever been to. Um, the only reason I put Ohio State over Penn State, and like I said, I can't make a, a 100% clear uh, judgment here because I've been to one state and I haven't been to the other, is Ohio State loses at home at a much lower rate. Ohio State in the Urban Meyer-Ryan Day era, in those nine years of those two head coaches, they've lost at home three times. All of those, all of which were shocks. One of them was the Virginia Tech loss in 2014, which was um, there's a lot of things you can say about that game, but it certainly wasn't expected, and it certainly made a lot of people upset. There was the loss to Michigan State in 2015, a game I was also in attendance for, um, and I've complained about that game several times. That one broke my heart, and that one, again, big upset. That one, even though Michigan State was, I believe, the number three team in the country at that point, pretty much everyone was picking Ohio State going into it, and Michigan State won the last-minute field goal. Then there was the Oklahoma game in 2017 where Oklahoma comes in. This was the, the big game of the week. College game day was there and everything in Oklahoma. Played a fantastic game. Baker Mayfield showed out. Um, and other than those three, Ohio State has not lost at home since 2012. Um, and that really says – all you need to say about the home field advantage. And when Ohio state plays smaller teams like Miami of Ohio or whatever, the stadium's still full. Ohio state is a fantastic fan base and Penn state very much the same. They always have full stadiums. Um, but the difference is, and of, of course they, they typically perform well in the whiteouts, but uh, when Ohio state plays a big game like Michigan or Penn state at home, they don't really lose. It's, they they haven't lost either of those two teams at home uh, since since Urban Meyer took over, um, and the simple fact is Penn State has lost whiteouts in in the most recent. Uh, they they lost two whiteouts to Ohio State in the 2010s, and that's just the difference. Is that obviously both crowds can make a lot of noise, but it just seems like one of them makes a little bit more of a difference. One of them seems a little more hostile. Um, and of course, Penn State, I'm sure that I, I believe they've set some sort of record about decibels in college football or something like that. But at the end of the day, um, you can argue all day about the whiteout versus Ohio State's, I guess, just we don't really have a name for uh, our big game of the year. But you can you can debate that all you want. But at the end of the day, Ohio State typically takes tends to take that crowd noise and run with it a little better than Penn State does. And that's just the fact of the matter. Ohio state doesn't lose at home. Uh, it's an unbelievably rare sight when it happens. And it's just a little less rare when it happens in happy Valley. Maybe that's because Ohio state's just better at football. That's true. That's true. <laughs> Ohio state is better they, at football. Cause they also uh, don't really lose road game. I mean, they lose road games more often than they lose home games, but that's we true. Of every, road games. That's true. But that's true. Of every we lose team. road and neutral games, but not as, Often as any other team in the country. We've only lost 11 since less, that time. Yeah, but. Exactly. Much less often than any other team in, in the entire country, uh, Ohio State loses. So let's talk about why Penn State, I think, has the better crowd. Uh, and I do have Ohio State second, so it's not like I'm saying, oh, Ohio State's crowd sucks. No, it's a great crowd, too, especially you know for the, for the big ones. Beaver Stadium in 2007, Penn State researchers found a peak sound level of 122 decibels. 122. That is enough to cause eardrum pain that, that, that is enough to harm your ears now beyond that let's go back to the last time we had an actual whiteout now we had that one last year kind of on halloween with <laughs> um ohio state that no that's not a whiteout it was absolutely no, not think, a whiteout but i think the, ohio the announcers state, no, ohio no, no, state no. would this have had a harder time if it was a real whiteout but this was hilarious because the announcers were like oh this would have been the whiteout the entire time and then Penn State scored a touchdown. They showed like a shot of the empty bleachers and it was hilarious um, and sad. Uh, we'll be back this year uh, for actual games. Uh, Auburn is the whiteout this year, which I don't agree with that choice. I think it should have been, I think it should have been Indiana. I think Indiana is the best team they play at home, but you know what? They chose Auburn. I think it's a, at least a unique game. Uh, Bo Nix versus Sean Clifford. That is some riveting football, but <laughs> that's going to be, we'll call that the turnover battle. Yeah, the uh, the cook off uh, and the the challenges turnovers. Who, who can cook the best turnover? But um, 
Beyond that, so last time they had an actual whiteout, though, 2019 against Michigan, very first play from scrimmage. Uh, and I went back in preparation for this podcast, and I watched uh, the, the ESPN Skycam of this game, Penn State-Michigan, 2019. So the Michigan offense takes the field, Shea Patterson, and uh, they get into their formation. And Shea Patterson is, like, saying stuff. Nobody can hear him. Okay, there are plenty of crowds where, you know, your offense can't hear you that well. Uh, you know, that's college football. It gets loud. But, like, they really couldn't hear him. Like, they could not hear him, could not hear him. Michigan's got to call a timeout. Uh, they call a timeout before a second has ticked off the clock uh, besides kickoff. And uh, I don't know if I've ever seen that in another game before. Uh, maybe I've seen it on like a truly colossal mess up. And I don't know how much of that is on Shea Patterson or on Jim Harbaugh, but uh, it feels like it was mostly just the crowd being so absolutely bonkers that they, they couldn't focus. They couldn't run a play. I, I don't think there's another stadium in the country that could pull that off. And, and obviously it's got the size it's, it's got the history. It's got the, the, the architecture for it. Uh, the fans are right on top of you. Uh, and it's got the passion. It really has the passion. Uh, and that's not a question. And of course, the Penn State Nittany Lions are a winning football team pretty much year in and year out, uh, give or take. And uh, they always play well in front of their home crowd, uh, which is not surprising when it's as strong of a home crowd as they have. That's what Penn State's number one for me. Um, it's a tough, it's a very tough place to play, especially uh, when you're the Ohio State Buckeyes or a big non conference game or Michigan or whoever, you know, it isn't quite as intimidating for the Mac opponent or uh, a different big 10 team. Like they, they don't get up for Indiana the way they get up for Ohio state, but but no stadium does. Uh, maybe that'll change as Indiana gets better, but I don't know. Uh, I just don't see a, a, a reality where, where I can't put Penn state at one. Uh, they are the loudest stadium in the big 10 and maybe even the country uh, if you ask me. So, uh, excited to see this place full again. Uh, it's always a good time, uh, unless you're the opposing team in Beaver Stadium. Yeah, and and don't get me wrong. Um, I had a hard time uh, choosing one of these two teams um, to, to be my number one. And I think the biggest case you can make for Penn State is the fact that um, it's not a, a biased take or an unfair take to say Ohio State is a better football team than Penn State year in and year out. Right. And I think the biggest thing you can say in Penn State's favor is the fact that Penn State has a worse football team, but with their crowd, they can still pull off big wins uh, like that upset of Ohio State they had uh, in 2016. So I think that's the biggest sort of case you can make for them. But I think at the end of the day, it comes down to when you're trying to choose between the two in years when both teams have been elite and uh, or ranked teams at the very least. Um, Penn state has lost at home to Ohio state. Ohio state has not lost at home to Penn state. And you look at the 2017 comeback, Ohio state versus Penn state. I alluded to this earlier. This is the best football game I've ever seen or the best sporting event I've ever seen in person. Um, and Ohio state had their backs against the walls. I believe the score was 35 to 19 or, uh, I think 17, 19 doesn't sound right. What, what am I talking about? I believe it was 35 to 17 at one point, uh, in the second half. And of course it was 21 to six in the first quarter. And uh, you know, throughout the majority of this game, Ohio state has their backs against the walls. And of course, some people left the stadium uh, and we've talked about this in this show before Kevin Narcissi, AKA NAR left the stadium. Uh, but <laughs> for, the, for the most part, the stadium was still uh, all the way full um, for the, for the majority of this game. And if you think the crowd didn't have an enormous impact on this comeback, you're wrong. Uh, because if you think that Ohio state, could have came back if they had it uh if this game you know if ohio state had the crowd that say illinois or indiana has um they wouldn't have made that comeback and they did um and the scenes at that stadium were unbelievable but at the end of the day ohio state in in the in the era of of both ohio state and penn state um being great teams um I mean, well, they've both been great teams in the past, in the 90s, and I think early 2000s. But in the modern era of Ohio State versus Penn State, where both teams have been uh, playoff contenders, Penn State has lost at home to Ohio State. Ohio State hasn't. 
uh, lost to Penn State at home. So that that's just the biggest uh, difference for me is that in in 2018, both teams, you know, people said that the winner of the game is going to the playoff. Funny enough, neither team did. But both teams were highly ranked. This was a highly anticipated matchup. College game day was there. Trace McSorley was, was giving every team hell. This was uh, a fantastic matchup, and the game ended – um, I, I believe, I believe the final score was 27, 26. I think it was a one point score in the end. Uh, so extremely close game, but Ohio state, they were down for most of that game and they came back despite the crowd, despite everything. Not only did they win the game, they, they had a late game surge Penn state's crowd where they were crazy all night. They had, you know, everything you could need to, to make it a, a difficult atmosphere for Ohio state and Ohio state still prevailed. That is the difference for me. Penn State has lost at home. Ohio State hasn't in that matchup. All righty. Before we go, uh, let's just run through our lists one more time uh, just for our listeners, just so they, they have kind of a clear answer. So I'll go top to bottom on mine one last time before we go. Penn State, number one. Ohio State, number two. Wisconsin, number three. Nebraska, number four. Iowa, number five. Michigan, number six. Minnesota, number seven. Michigan State, eighth. Rutgers, ninth. Purdue, tenth. Indiana 11th, Northwestern 12th, Illinois 13th, Maryland 14th. Reed, what's your list one more time? Yeah, I got Ohio State, Penn State, Wisconsin, Nebraska, Iowa, Michigan, Michigan State, Purdue, Indiana, Minnesota, Illinois, Maryland, Rutgers, and Northwestern. One last note I wanted to make. Purdue, I have them in eighth. Uh, and part of the reason for that is, you know, like I said, when I was talking about the eight versus 14 and, you know, these stadiums where they don't sell it out every game, but how – how well do they keep opposing fans away or how well do they fill the seats with their own fans? You look at that upset of Ohio state in 2018, the Purdue crowd there was crazy. The Purdue crowd made a huge impact. And of course that oh, crowd the isn't there all the time, high. but Purdue has shown. Yeah. Yeah. When, when the team is good, when the team is playing well, they, they don't fill it up all the time, but when mm-hmm. the team uh, is doing what they need to do, the crowd is there. So that's why I have them that high. The highs um, are high and the lows are unfortunately low above Indiana. No, I have them above Sorry, Indiana, too. The, the highs are higher yeah. than, than Indiana. and the, Well, the highs are, are more common than Indiana's highs for the crowd. Yeah. Um, but the lows and, are And, of course, very, also, very I think the reason when the lows are low for Purdue, it's partly because the weather there is is so mucky. And there's mucky weather all, all throughout the Big Ten. But I think it, Purdue has some of the mm-hmm. worst conditions uh, in the league uh, totally. consistently. So I can forgive a fan for not wanting to see uh, two below 500 teams play um, at three o'clock on a rainy day in, in Northwest Indiana. Yeah. And the team has also been bad too, which I think contributes to that. You know, for the most part, they've, they've had some okay years, but um, one team I want to talk about Rutgers. I know you had Rutgers lower. I think the only reason that their crowd has been kind of poor has been uh, because the team's not been very good, but the team is going to be uh, at least respectable nowadays under Greg Schiano uh, and under Greg Schiano originally uh, back in the day, they had a really good home crowd, uh, and I'm kind of banking on that. Uh, it's more of a potential pick. Uh, I like it a lot. Uh, I think they could have a very nice home field advantage uh, if the Shiano thing continues to work out. So that and that. Now, read one last thing before we go. Which home crowd are you most excited to see this year? Pick one game this season. Which Big Ten home crowd are you most excited to see in a specific matchup? Mm. Well, I mean, the one I'm most excited to see is the game I'm going to go to, which is Ohio State, Penn State. Um, and another would have to be Indiana, Ohio State. I'm planning on, I mean, unless there's some sort of uh, circumstance that comes up that keeps me from going to those games, I'm planning on being in attendance for both of those. So those are the two mo- the two I'm most excited to see. Um, but I guess if I couldn't pick one of those, I would just, I would have to say just seeing jump around at Camp Randall one because, because we haven't seen that. I mean, they, I'm sure they, I believe they played this song last season, but it's just not the same. I'm excited to see uh, what that looks like this season after it's been away for a year. That's probably the, the crowd element I'm most excited to see. I would say the whiteout, but it's against Auburn and it's, it's just, I feel like the whiteout's not the same when it's not a conference opponent. Yeah, no, I agree. Uh, and I don't think there's been a non-conference whiteout for quite a while at this point, but um, it, it'll be unique. I don't think Auburn's going to be very good though. So uh, and I don't know how good Penn state's going to be. I'm a little shaky on them still, but um, obviously the whiteout, I think that goes without saying Indiana and Ohio state. I think that's a, a real litmus test of the Indiana crowd. Can they, you know, 
make it a real home crowd and help propel the team to what would be a pretty much, uh, I mean, just a, as much of a landmark victory as you can come up with um, a team they haven't beaten in like 30 years. So, so those two, uh, you know, just trying to think of a couple of, off the top of my head. Um, uh, another another good one for me, uh, and I don't know how you feel about this. Ohio State and Oregon, uh, that's a noon kickoff. I'm going to see. That's that's kind of a weird kickoff. Uh, how how can the Ohio State crowd? Can they have a night game atmosphere for that noon game? Because that should be a night game. Oh, 100. It's Oregon. I know fans will get up for the. Oregon it sh- game. it on. should, but it shouldn't be a noon game. It just shouldn't be a noon game. Uh, well, but it's big noon kickoff. That's just mm-hmm. that's when Fox has the rights to the game. You, you just gotta. Because uh, I mean, that's, that's Ohio State's the, gonna have. It sucks their, for all the Oregon fans who have to wake up at nine nine a.m. You have to kick off at nine a.m. Uh, and you actually now that I think about it though, I just realized I, w- I was gonna say that, that the Ohio State Penn State game will be uh, an ABC primetime kickoff, but I forget that ABC only has the rights to that game when it's at Penn State. So Ohio State, they might not have a night game this year at home. Um, well, no, they they might right, have. But, but it the depends on still gonna be there. It depends on what the, I think how it works is Fox gets first dibs on any Big Ten or Big Twelve game they want. So yeah. maybe that if that's the same week as like Texas Oklahoma, for example, then it wouldn't it wouldn't be the big noon game and it could be Saturday Night Football. But I'm not sure how that shakes out. Uh, but just thinking about those, I, I think those are some interesting ones. And then next year when Oklahoma and Nebraska play in Lincoln, I don't think Nebraska is going to be very good. And Oklahoma should probably wipe the floor with them, but can the Lincoln crowd still get up? I think pregame for Oklahoma, Nebraska this year in Norman, and when they play in Lincoln, I think pregame is going to be really fun for for that rivalry contest. Well, I think for that game next year in Lincoln against Oklahoma, the crowd will certainly get up. The crowd gets up mm-hmm. for any Nebraska game, but and that's how, something. I, how is it going to look? Though? That that is like yeah. well, I'm just that I've is given a, Nebraska yeah, a yeah. lot of crap on the show, and it's everybody knows I'm not the biggest Cornhusker fan. Uh, but I do have a ton of respect for the fans because even in the darkest years of program history, they had their, they were the college football team decades ago. They were, they and Miami were, those are the two teams that everybody was afraid of. And Nebraska's not there anymore, but their fans still show up. I get a lot of, I get some massive respect for those fans who continue totally. to show up for their team. And I think just roster wise, yes, Oklahoma should wipe the floor with them, but the crowd will play an impact in that Oklahoma game, I think. Um, I mean, it doesn't always play a factor because you look at 2019, Ohio State came to town. People thought, oh, they might be able to pull off an upset. Game day was there, and it wasn't close. But I think this time around, Nebraska's crowd, its they've waited so long to play Oklahoma. Um, or I, I shouldn't say so long. It's not like it's been 30 years. But, uh, you know, they were rivals with them. They haven't played them in a while. Um, the crowd's going to be unbelievable, and I can't yeah. wait for that one. It's been, been a decade of having them. We're going to wait. Yeah. We're gonna have to wait a whole season for that one. Um, but – it, it will be unbelievable. Yeah, no, it, it should be a fun one at least uh, before they play because when they play, it could be uh, an absolute manslaughter of a game. Uh, but we'll talk about some actual football here in, in the next couple episodes, we promise. Uh, but today we want to talk about some crowds. We're excited for full stadiums. We will be in some of those full stadiums. Reed, uh, any parting thoughts before we uh, end the show? It's just going to be beautiful to be back in a full college football stadium to be able to hear the band play to be able to hear all the chants all the songs everything um i'm just i'm just thinking about it right now and i can't I might wait cry. for it i'm not crying even, even just seeing it on tv <laughs> hearing hearing a band play when it's not a recording being played on the stadium speakers uh that is going to be a beautiful uh thing to hear and a beautiful sight to see so football we've missed you for a year we, we had you but it wasn't the same and I just can't believe it's going to be back. Um, I, I can't wait for it. I can't even put my excitement oh, in words. It's going to be great. But speaking of things being played over the stadium speakers, I forgot the most important aspect of Penn state, the growling lion sound, oh my the God. worst thing known to mankind. They have it in Northwestern too. They Northwestern, too. Northwestern is the same sound effect. I, I tried to, for me, I tried to make it to the me, microphone. I only had to hear that one time while I was in Ryan, while I was at Ryan Field because they only scored one field goal. <laughs> um, so <laughs> lucky for my ears, I didn't get to hear that too much. Well, just, but, there's uh, a whole, there's yeah. a lot more scoring in State College than there is uh, in North. My my hometown Nashville Predators, they play that same sound. Um, uh, it's not quite as annoying as it is at Beaver Stadium. It's, there's a slight difference in it, um, but 
yeah, I, I, I can't stand that one. I might have to dock uh, Penn State all the way down to 14 just for that sound, but uh, that'll do it for our show today. Thank you uh, for listening to the First in the Podcast and have a great rest of your day. We'll see you next time. Bye.